You're listening to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. My name is Sammy Reyes, and as a college student and entrepreneur, I'm always looking for a little more passion in my life. On this podcast, my guests and I will teach you the tools to help you fashion your passion. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I am so excited you guys decided to tune in this week. This week, I am here with Eliza Collins, who is a former EMT, but is now a burnout recovery coach, also a fellow New Yorker. So I'm super excited to have her onto the show. So Eliza, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sammy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell my listeners a little bit more about exactly what you do now and sort of how you got to this point? Yeah. So as you said, I was an emergency medical technician for a period of time, and I knew that I wanted to continue in medicine. And for me, originally, that looked like a pre-med track. And as I kind of got a little farther down that road, I started to realize that biomedicine wasn't really the right fit for me. I wanted to work more in the healthcare side of healthcare as opposed to like the disease management side of things. So I was really looking to do something more along the lines of like yoga instruction or massage therapy or something like that. And I actually landed on acupuncture. And so that's how I kind of got started as a practitioner in the wellness space. Uh, I graduated from acupuncture school in 2014 and I moved up to Rhode Island where I am now. And I started my acupuncture practice essentially the way that I thought you did that. We didn't really get business classes in school. And so nobody taught you how to run a business. They taught you how to be an acupuncturist. And so in the process of building my business, I was really kind of crossing that bridge as I built it, making all of the mistakes, stressing myself out, doing all the things. And after about five years, one of the organizations that I contracted with at the time stopped referring to external practitioners. So I was an independent contractor. I didn't work for them, but I kind of worked with them. And they really cut down the number of referrals that they were putting out, not just to me, but to really anybody in the community. And I half of my business was based off of referrals from that organization. So it kind of got gutted overnight. And it really stressed me out. And I reached out to a colleague of mine who is a burnout coach. And I said, you know, I'm really struggling with my business, all of this stuff. You moved to a different place. She actually moved to Europe after she graduated and started two businesses, two acupuncture practices from scratch in two different cities, six years apart. And I was like, well, you're a unicorn. You've done this. So can you help me out? In looking at my situation and how hard I was running myself in the business, she was like, "Mm, I don't think your business is your problem. I think burnout is your problem. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she explained to me kind of where my energy was leaking out and where it was going that was not effective for my business. And so I started doing burnout recovery with her. And in the process of that, realized that this is a niche that is very underserved because burnout is sort of a buzzword, but there's no actual resources around recovery. People talk about like, oh, like you should meditate or you should get more sleep. But if your body isn't balanced, it's very difficult to do that. If your stress hormones are out of whack, 
sleep is not going to come easily to you. When people are burnt out, the left and right hemispheres of your brain don't communicate quite as well. And you can recover that, but it's very difficult to meditate when the two sides of your brain literally aren't talking. So in the process of learning what I learned from her throughout my own recovery, I started to integrate that into the wellness portion of the business that I already did which includes functional medicine and hypnosis, which were other things that I had gotten certified in the process of building my business. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it definitely, for me, it's so cool to see how like people's life experiences can really sort of propel them into their now careers and businesses and stuff like that. Because for a majority of your life, you'll set yourself up and you'll be like, this is the thing I'm going to do for the rest of my life, you know, in high school and college, and then things will happen after that. And you're like, um, maybe that wasn't what I was supposed to do, you know, and you sort of 360 it and you're like, oh, this is what I was actually meant to do. What were some of those like areas that your energy was like leaking out to that wasn't allowing you to focus sort of your 100% on your business at the time? Some of it was tangible places. So I am naturally kind of a nurturer. I think a lot of people who get into healing professions, therapists, things like that, we are the type of people who want recovery and want resources and things like that. And we like taking care of other people because it feels really good to us when people take care of us. And so I was checking in on friends multiple times a week and texting people throughout the day. And it's amazing where that energy goes, like how much of your attention is split if you're texting somebody throughout the middle of your day when you're supposed to be working on your computer, you know, or when I was trying to do things in between patients, acupuncture patients, when they had needles in, I just wasn't fully present in that moment. And some of it was intellectual worry. A big thing in terms of running a medical practice is making sure that you have enough patients and clients throughout the weeks and months and years to sustain your practice without having to necessarily work a second job or do other things. And that was a rolling concern of mine for a very long time. Now I'm not quite as uptight about white space in my calendar because I understand that that's part of the natural flow. And intellectually, I knew that, but emotionally, I very much had a scarcity mentality around that. And so learning how to sit in those moments of discomfort and not try and fix my way out of them was a really big lesson as a part of my burnout recovery. I absolutely love that. And I definitely can resonate with a lot of that for me, especially being in college, running a business, also having a part-time job and, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. I definitely try my best to sort of, I guess you could say, quote unquote, prevent burnout, but it definitely just happens you know especially like for example like this past week and this week like I'm trying to do as much as possible because next week for Thanksgiving I'm taking the whole week off so it's like I just have so many things to do and like I know next week I'll be able to rest the entire week but at this point I'm just like I also need my sleep this week too like I can't just compensate next week for you know staying up all night this week so it's a whole it's really a learning process for me because I've always been sort of the gal who just had to keep going forever and ever and like just keep doing things and like just go, 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 go. But like now that I'm learning, like that shouldn't be the case, you know? It's like not healthy for me to do that. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and just like that whole learning curve is very interesting. Do you, how, sort of like, do you tackle that if you maybe have like clients who come in with that or like just in your own personal experience? What? Yeah. Share your thoughts. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I do with my clients and that I had to do myself is to identify my values. What are the top three things or five things that are important to me? And my coach, I use a lot of her resources because A, they're amazing and B, like why reinvent the wheel? So I can link to all of these for your listeners if it's things that they're interested in using. But she has a values exercise and I was just working with one of my clients today and I'm going to be redoing it myself because when you understand what you value, you understand where you want your energy to go and where you don't want it to go. So for me, my top value is intuition. And Kate, my coach, her exercise has you put actionable statements around that. So it's not just that intuition is important. What do I want to do with intuition? How does that show up in my life? So the action statement that I have for it is honor my intuition. That's the most important thing to me. So if a client cancels and I happen to have an hour, sometimes I could put another person in there. Sometimes I could do something else. Sometimes I'm just going to sit and read. If my body's like, oh no, you've really been kind of burning the candle at both ends or the candle's on fire, the whole candle, not you know, not both ends. You need to rest, rest. I trust my intuition more as I'm doing my job. That was something that wasn't necessarily trained into us as an acupuncturist. You've got over 300 points on the human body that you can use as an herbalist. You've got an entire compendium of herbs. Learning to trust yourself in that process was huge for me. And I put a lot less energy into worrying about what a point prescription is going to look like. Or what am I going to say to my burnout client who comes on today? I don't know what I'm going to say to that person because I don't know what they want to deal with that particular day. I don't have to plan every ounce of my life because I can trust my intuition that I have the skills to do it. And so that became one of the primary things for me in working with some of my clients. It's identifying whether you are finding your own values or you're picking values because it's societally what has been bred into you. And one of my clients did that today. Flexibility was one of her values. And as we were going through the whole exercise, I said, how do you feel about that one? She goes, that one's not right. I need to go back and do this again because I feel like I need to be flexible for other people. And that's, it's not about my own flexibility in my own life and how it applies to me. So when you start doing that, you start understanding where you want to put your energy where it serves you, where it's creative and useful and growth oriented. And you find boundaries around where you don't want to put it. So I think an an episode of Kate's podcast, which is called Fried the Burnout Podcast. If you are burnt out, I highly recommend that you listen to it. I was a guest on her podcast a couple of weeks ago, which was really cool. If family is one of your values, your action statement can be like, I will have dinner with my family four nights a week. We are going to do that as a family. So if people throughout the week say, oh, like, hey, let's get tea or let's get dinner or let's do a thing. And you've got a commitment one night, dinner with your family four other nights and two other things pop up. If somebody else says, let's go do something, you can say, oh, sorry, four nights out of the week, I have dinner with my family, but how's next week or how's next month? It takes the stress out of making that decision of like, ah, am I going to like, I could cancel with my family but this is really important to me. I feel like I need to do this with them. It takes that thought process out of it. And so you can just make that decision. You know, what's important to you. You can build your boundaries around it and energy is conserved that way. How do you feel that sort of like boundaries play into all this work and sort of what are your, I guess, like best tip for keeping boundaries and setting them? 
So boundaries are absolutely critical. And it's one of the reasons that people usually do end up burned out because they're either not honoring their own boundaries or they are feeling pressure from external boundaries. So external boundaries are often things like family or your job, some of which can be adjusted and some of which can't. I really never recommend that somebody leave their job for any reason if they really love it and they want to try and recover their way through that. I'm here for that journey and we can pack that. We can figure that out. But if your job is so detrimental to your life and to your health that there's no way around that, that you can't put boundaries in place, sometimes you have to pivot into a new position. You can be doing the same work for a different company that has a different ethical outlook. So external boundaries can be a little trickier to deal with. Internal boundaries are things like, these are the hours of my workday. I'm not going to work outside of that. And then uh, I have the energy. I'm just, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to work until 8 p.m. because why not? I ended up working from home today. And what that looked like was I had one client on the books and I was kind of just going to give myself some time because life has been very hectic for me today or the last couple of months. And I ended up actually working from like doing more work from home. And I was like, oh, like, no, no, I'm crossing my own internal boundary. So for me, when I first started my business, I was working on Saturday mornings. I hate working Saturdays. I just do. I would rather work different hours throughout the week and have my actual weekend. You know, some people are like, oh, why don't you work Saturday and Sunday and you can have Monday or Tuesday off? I'm like, I don't like that. That doesn't sit with me and what I need as an individual. But because I thought I wasn't going to have clients unless I worked on Saturdays, I went into the office on Saturdays really grudgingly. Whereas now I understand what's more important to me. I'm not going to cross that internal boundary. I'm not going to book clients outside of hours because I don't want them to get mad at me. No client has ever gotten mad at me like for not being at work until 9 p.m. Not one. So... And there are other acupuncturists who work hours that I don't. So if somebody can't get in with me, there are more than enough people for that person to go to, to get the kind of care that they need at a time that they need it. And I'm not feeling the pressure of competition with other people that I'm not actually in competition with because my values are different. No, absolutely. That's super important. I feel like, especially when people are more nurturing and for lack of better words, people pleasing, it's like their boundaries can literally just go out the window. I mean, I know it from personal experience and it's just so important to like, because I feel like also like values and boundaries go hand in hand, right? Because if you know your values and your boundaries are stronger and it just that whole thing plays together. Which is Definitely. That, yeah. And the nice thing about, when you understand your values and how those relate to your boundaries, you can set those boundaries while still being very kind. Like, I think when people think about setting boundaries with other people, it's like a heart, like, no, like I have to draw a strong boundary. And it's like, boundaries can be firm and kind. You know, you can say, oh, like, why don't we get dinner next week? You know, I've, I've got plans with my family and my other free nights are tied up, but I'd love to see you. And I'm free these nights, these weeks in the coming weeks. So it gives you the opportunity to hold that line and maybe still do what you want to do later or kind of keep in your own lane as far as like what work is. If somebody comes to you at work and says, oh, like, can you do this thing? It's like, oh, that's actually not in my job description, but Angela over in the next apartment does that. So you can talk to her instead of doing the thing of like, ah, I'm capable of doing this thing and I'm good at this thing, but I should be doing my own work. So when you know what your boundaries are, it's easier to draw them and you can do it kindly. Exactly. Yeah. 
I want to talk a little bit more about worry and sort of like, because you mentioned like you sort of in the beginning, you struggled out with being in the present moment. And I feel like that's very true for a lot of people, especially like during this time. And I want to talk about how for those, I guess, who worry more, even if they don't worry more, how people can get back to being in the present moment and not either being in the past or in the future and stuff like that. So what sort of have you seen in terms of just the idea of worrying and that maybe even excessive worrying and sort of how do you sort of either, you know, center yourself back to being in the present moment or how do you sort of guide others to do that? That's one of those interesting things because I'm the type of person who naturally snowballs. Like I have a PhD in making mountains out of molehills. I'm really good at it. And so I've had to learn very like fast acting techniques for me to bring my stress levels down. And it took me a while to integrate them because once my stress cycle starts rolling, I I call it my trauma train. Once my trauma train leaves the station, once I've kind of been triggered into that coping mechanism of just worrying about everything, it's very difficult to rein that in sometimes. So I learned a couple of techniques through hypnosis. One is called the emotional freedom technique, which is tapping on acupressure points of all things, which is really funny because when I learned it, I was like, oh, I know why you actually tap on these specific points. This is cool. That one's been really instrumental for me. And then doing literally 60 seconds of progressive relaxation, relaxing certain parts of my body with four breaths. So I breathe in on a seven count. I hold I release the muscles around my eyes as I exhale for seven counts. I inhale for another seven counts. I hold, I release my jaw for the next seven counts. On the third one, I relax my shoulders. On the fourth one, I relax my abdomen. Those are areas of the body where we tend to carry stress that we don't necessarily think about. The shoulders definitely, but like releasing your jaw actually relaxes the rest of your facial muscles. And if you carry tension there, like that's what we do. Like we, you know, everything comes out in our expression. So if we relax our eyes and relax our jaw, our sympathetic nervous system automatically calms down. So those are a couple of the techniques that people can use. And I can give you links to stuff like that to help people because in the moment, that's what you need for longer term. That's what things like meditation are for. That's what things like, it's actually called chi shaking are for. You just kind of like shake your body rhythmically. I like to do it to music because I was a singer and a dancer, but physical activities like yin yoga or yoga nidra, something to complete the stress cycle is really useful in those moments when you've got a little extra time to find some calm. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with those. And like, I was a big sort of like yogi in the sense where like I would just go all the time and stuff like that and I have been meaning for sure to get back into that because it helped so much and you know I definitely do advocate for that in terms of sort of diminishing in a sense you can say worry and and just stress in general but I want to touch a little bit we're big mental health advocates on this podcast I want to touch a little bit on sort of the more extreme side if you will sort of with like maybe anxiety disorders like depression stuff like there's a point where it becomes like it's not really solvable right like the little sort of coping mechanisms help for a hot minute and then it's like it's still there so what has like have you ever sort of like worked with that before and like what from your sort of 
perspective have you done maybe in terms of just like helping others work through it or just you can share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you bring that up because that is an ongoing point of conversation in the burnout community because there is a difference between burnout and depression and burnout and anxiety, and they can all coexist together. You can have one and another, or you can just be burnt out. And so like my coach, when she was burnt out, she was just burnt out. She was not depressed. She'd never been depressed in her life. She'd never experienced it. She actually didn't experience depression until she had recovered from her burnout. She ended up with an injury. She tore her Achilles and she was laid up in bed for four months. She's a very active person. And that was the first time in her life that she was depressed. She was like, okay, I'm not burnt out, but I'm depressed. When I was burnt out, because I have a history of anxiety and depression, that very much went hand in hand for me, which is why I didn't actually recognize it as burnout. I was like, oh, it just feels like I'm in a depressive cycle. But there was a lot more to it. And so for identifying those things, a lot of the things that I've heard people say in terms of identifying or separating at least depression and burnout is burnout is something that's usually related to a specific thing. So it's like related to work in a lot of cases for a lot of people or specific life circumstances that you maybe can't see a way out of, but it's this particular situation and like other aspects of your life are pretty good. Depression tends to kind of apply to everything. You may be depressed at work and at home and in a lot of areas of your life. So for me, it's kind of like putting a filter on a photo versus using a filtered lens on a camera. So you have a photo and you overlay a filter on it that applies to one photo. If you have a blue lens that you're using for your camera, every lens, every photo is blue. So that's kind of how I differentiate between those two things. And, you know, anxiety is the, I don't know, opposite end or complement to depression. So usually when it comes to people who have more intense experiences in that area, I always recommend therapy for people. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Like I'm the person that likes to go in and be like, hey, let's tear apart everything and like build it back up from the ground up with a nice foundation. Not everybody loves that adventure, but I've been doing therapy on and off for 20 years. So for me, I'm like absolutely gleeful to have somebody just strip me down to the like studs of my my structure. But I do find that very useful. And for people more recently, I've been recommending somatic therapy, which is about getting you back in touch with what you're actually feeling in your body when you are experiencing certain emotions. So if you are feeling anxious, where are you feeling that? Are you feeling it in your chest, your stomach, or your shoulders tightening up? How does that, like, can you notice that feel and sit with that feeling? And so somatic therapy, I don't do therapy. I'm not a therapist, but I will recommend that for people because that's really useful. And then the other thing that I do with that, I do this as a functional medicine practitioner because I'm certified and licensed to, but you can do this with your primary care physician as well, as I will usually recommend a comprehensive blood panel. So let's look at your vitamin D. Let's look at your inflammatory chemicals. Let's look at your thyroid. Let's look at your cortisone if we need to, your cortisol and cortisone, your stress hormones. Let's look at your sex hormones your estrogens, your progesterones, your testosterones, where's the balance of those? Are you deficient in anything? Because when I was in the throes of burnout, it also turned out that my vitamin D was 20 points lower than the lowest number on the scale for deficiency. And two and a half weeks on a vitamin D supplement. And I was like, oh my God, I can like scrape myself off the floor and make myself dinner. And that was huge. 
as far as my recovery goes. Like that was probably 30% of my recovery was just getting my vitamin D back on track because now I had the energy to do what I needed to do. And so not everybody is going to be vitamin D deficient, but there may be a literal physical imbalance with what's going on inside you. So I'll recommend to people, if you're not working with a functional medicine practitioner or somebody like me, you can go to your doctor and say, can I just get like a standard metabolic panel? Can I get a CBC? Can we check my thyroid? Can we check my vitamin D? Like get all of that out of the way, because if something's out of balance and you can take care of that and you notice enough of a shift in your mood, that's huge. And I have people who go to therapy and they get on antidepressants for a period of time or some, or anti-anxiety medications. And that raises the floor on their ability to function and engage with a lot of the work that they're doing. So it's really just kind of meeting people where they're at at any given point in time and making sure that they have the right resources to manage that more effectively as we do the burnout recovery work. Yeah. I 100% agree. And that's sort of the process that I went through as well. Last year, my anxiety was getting really bad. I like sort of cleaned up or started to clean up a bunch of like my physical health stuff. And then I moved into actually getting to the root of sort of mental health stuff. And so I think I need to like check in and like go through the whole process again, because it's been what, a year and a half now. So, you know, things change, but Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure. But yeah, I think it's definitely it's so important because you can think one thing's related to your mental health stuff when it's actually related to physical health stuff. So it all goes hand in hand. I want to roll into the final question of the podcast. This has been a great conversation and I'm super grateful you've come on. This is a question that I've asked every single guest who has ever been on. So based off of the title, which is Fashion Your Passion Podcast, what is one tip that you would give those who are dreaming based off of how you have fashioned your passion? Interesting. One tip that I would give people based on how I have fashioned my passion. Can I curse on here? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Ask for fucking help. You do not need to do this alone. We are social creatures. We are meant to be supported by our community. And especially in the West, in the States, we don't live in a culture like that. We live in a very much pull yourself up by the bootstraps, the independent, rugged, manifest destiny way. It's a very lonely existence. And it is one of the primary things that I think contributes to people's burnout is they feel like they can't reach out. They feel like they don't have good relationships or good connections. And because we all kind of live like that, That's why I'm really keen on people reaching out to therapists, to their doctors, to coaches, to somebody that you feel like can help you. If you don't know, go on Instagram, hashtag end burnout culture, hashtag burnout recovery. You're going to find things that might take a little bit, but you're going to find people who work in this realm. If they don't have the resources for you, they can point you in the direction of somebody who does. And you are not meant to do this alone. You are not meant to live a suboptimal life. You are not meant to burn yourself out. You're meant to live a life that is in alignment with your values and needs and desires and preferences. And there are people out there that can help you do it. So don't do it alone. I absolutely love that. Where can people find you on social, on the web, less them all? They all will be linked down below, but you can go for it. 
You can find me on my website at www.theeastwestco.com, like the East West Company. And on Instagram and TikTok under the, at the East West Co as well. So same handle. And I actually also read tarot cards and that is something that I do occasionally fling into the mix. So that's at thevintagemystic.com or on Instagram and TikTok at thevintagemystic. Yeah. So like I said before, that will all be linked down below. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And for those of you listening, I will talk to you guys next week. 